drummer Ed Ornowski draws inspiration not only from the great jazz musicians he admires, but from classical music, opera, and the time he spends teaching and conducting a band of 200-plus at St. Joseph's School in the Bronx. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Ed what stood out to him when he first started listening to music. I always thought about the drums. I think it was really, yeah. I mean, it was Ringo Starr, probably. You know, with the Beatles, <laughs> of course. How sad, but I know no, he could play. No. He, could he play. seems like a nice guy. Well, he has he has a good beat, but you know, but you know what? I just realized, and again, I'm going to add to the list. I think one of my major influences, besides the Ed Sullivan show and seeing Ella Fitzgerald and people like that, uh-huh. who blew my mind. I think I was in the fourth grade and I heard Rhapsody in Blue. And that blew my mind. And I remember going to the public library, and they had a little section. And here I'm on little, this little kid walking into the Adrian's Public Library in Poughkeepsie. And they're going, who is this kid? And I'm looking for Rhapsody Blue. Of course, I bring it home. It's all scratches. You know, my father's going, you're going to play that? But that's so sweet. You checked this out from the library. My father was a, a stereo fanatic because he was a TV repairman to start. Then he ended up working for IBM. And, ugh, you know, that, that took his life away, I think, really. But so he would, he, I remember having our first stereo was basically one speaker, you know, and when we finally got a tweeter for that, we were so excited <laughs> and he had a dual turntable and that was state of the art. So he's going, you're going to put that record on my turntable, but dad got to play it. And my father was truly amazing though. And my mother, my father passed away a few years ago and my mother also, because they were wide open to music. Mm. You know, he plays polkas on Sunday. He's Polish, a Polish descent. My mother's Italian descent, but the Americans born in the Bronx. And they were wide open, and my brothers and sisters would, my, my sister and my brothers would come back from college bringing all influence, Santana or Eddie Harris or Miles Davis or Aretha Franklin. And so we were, we listened to so many varieties of music, and, and I have to give it to my parents, and they would listen right along with us. They would never say, shut it off. So That's great. Yeah. That's such an important thing about encouraging and being open and not saying, oh, that's terrible music, don't you think? Oh, yes. You know, I think when you teach children, you have to keep an open mind, especially sometimes the music I hear today. Yeah. It's a little tough, but, but you have to be open to the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And what did Rhapsody in Blue do for you? Well, it's just, it, t- it takes you on a magic trip. Imagine, and especially when you're that age, you just mm. hear this whole symphony orchestra and, and all those sounds. You know, they talked about sheets of sound with Coltrane, right? So it was, to me, it was sheets of sound. And so I think those early influences, you know, playing in a school band and, mm-hmm. and hearing a whole band play, all different parts. You have trombones and tubas. And so those influences, stayed with me as a jazz drummer that mm-hmm. I always thought as orchestrating just not just you know the most important of course as a drummer in any instrument is to keep the beat mm-hmm. that, and as I've gotten older I've realized that is the key Thank you. 
guest, drummer Ed Ornowski on You and the Night and the Music, from the CD The Clincher with the Hard Bop Quintet, with Keith Saunders on piano, Jerry Weldon tenor sax, Joe Magnarelli trumpet, and Bim Strasberg on bass. he thinks Miles Davis is considered such a special musician. Because he had it all. You know, you can pick any part of his life, you know, his recorded life, Miles. You know, you can have the different trios he played with. You know, you had Jimmy Cobb, you had Philly Joe, you had Tony Williams, and each one was unique. And even though Miles kind of played his same way, having those rhythm sections of different um capabilities or different colors and textures Mm -hmm. changed everything so you can go from the 50s to the 60s to 70s and each one i mean he had the greatest musicians world but also i think when i say miles a lot to me i kind of get hung up late 50s early Mm -hmm. 60s and of course you know the great albums that he did with gil evans are just that's my bible
before I go to a gig, in fact, I'm always, there's three things I do, kind of, most of the time. I meditate, I listen to miles ahead, you know, my ship, just cool out. Uh, I, I practice along with Bud Powell, and then I practice along with Art Tatum. Really? Those, those three type of players, because I feel for the eighth no feel, Bud Powell is just unbelievable. Art Tatum is God <laughs> and it just keeps you honest and then Miles is just it relaxes you and opens you up for colors to just be ready and to be loose so when you go whatever gig it doesn't matter if you're going to play like when I would play with you it doesn't mm -hmm. matter it's just it's, it's getting you open so we can go any which way and I'm not locked in oh how wonderful that's interesting how long will you practice before a gig with something like that usually I'll you know you, a lot of times as I've gotten older I've learned from my Aunt Jean, Epsom salts are <laughs> very good, as you know, Miss Pianist, the pain and suffering of musicians. You know, I got discs out all over the place. Oh, I know. So, so you soak in. And uh -huh. also, I, I, I failed to also say I'm, I also put on uh, Sinatra to Only the Lonely. Cause, is that the, I think yeah. that's the name of that? And uh, so again, it just gets you inside. It gets you inside and relaxes you and just opens you and up. And you'll just listen. That you'll listen to. The other things you'll play along with. Well, the, one, the one I really play along with is after I've listened to Sinatra or I've listened to Miles, then I'll go inside. And I, basically, I almost play every day with that Bud Powell record. Oh, that's and wonderful. And our Tatum. Depending on if I feel like I'm a little logy, mm -hmm. I said, you better play with Tatum. Tatum. You need to get tighter a little bit or if you're, you're a little uptight you know loosen up get with bud powell and just get you have to hear the music i mean and and if you were in 1940 1950 you just went down the street so it was part of the music today there's so much eclectic music and the music that's being forced on you besides the sound of cell phones the mm -hmm. noise pollution that we're getting to keep your head into the eighth note feel is mm. so difficult and so you gotta be, you gotta be meditating on it. And of course, if you do, like when we're on the road together, mm -hmm. it's wonderful because we're just, we're with each other and we get to feel each other. Mm -hmm. And with Chris and Michael and Joe Helaney and we're, we're all, we're feeling that music together and then we sense each other and that's what we hear and feel. Mm -hmm. But when you're going to gig and you're trying to rush, you're parking your car and by the time there, you, you know, <laughs> 
and somebody's yelling at you to try to keep your head into music takes mm -hmm. a great, great meditation. I love to hear you say that because I think, I know I do. I don't know if other musicians feel this way, but I often feel I'm the only one going through that. And I think everybody else is so focused and I'm having so much trouble getting to that point. But as you say it, it's, it's actually a treat when we've got five weeks on the road and we think of nothing else but the music. As hard as the road is, it's all about the music. We get to the gig, there's other little things that are there, but as you're saying it, it's true. We have that cohesiveness of having the band together and you really get in that mode. You're home and each gig's different and how do you get into it? And I love to hear you say, you're inspiring me to be more meditative about it, to actually have a ritual like that. That's fantastic. Well, you know, you've, as you get older too, when you're young, you also, you, your chops, you know, you're flying all over the place you have. It's just like a great young pitcher's. And, you know, you and I are sports nuts. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I, the athletes, and I was telling um, my lady, Olivia Rosencrantz, who's a great, great tap dancer, we talk about it because the pain of a tap dancer or, or a musician, I know that you have to deal with your own pains, Judy, and my pains. As you get older, you lose some facility. And we know pitchers, after they lose a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, then they have to learn how to pitch. Yeah. <laughs> then they really have to learn how to pitch. And that's when, that's when you learn to play music. Yeah. Now, there's some amazingly gifted people. Tony Williams, well, he's 17, he's playing with Tony Williams. Mm -hmm. And he's great, amazing people. But if you notice some recordings, and I also brought that Edward K. Uh, and, yes, talk about that. And Francis. Uh, what I love about that recording is later 60s, and they live lives. You mm -hmm. know, there there's pain and there's suffering and there's pathos involved. And when you hear them sing, yeah, they don't have that youthful exuberance, but it's just like it just grabs your heart. Talking because, about Ellington and Sinatra. And mm -hmm. because it's there, it's these are men playing music. Mm -hmm. You know, these are grown-ups. <laughs> Through the clouds, gray with years, over hills wet with tears, to a world young and free, we shall fly, follow me. April green everywhere, April song. should never die where our long lost tomorrows still are in the sweet by and by time goes by or do we close your eyes and you'll see as we Follow me.
Frank Sinatra and Duke Ellington from the recording Francis A. and Edward K. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest, drummer Ed Ornowski and I are talking about how musicians change as they mature. When you're young, yeah, everybody has it. Buddy Rich, when he was, you know, 20 years old, forget about it. But even to watch Buddy Rich later in life, when you know he was in pain, pain, you know, could fairly, barely walk, and he would still will it to have the will, or the Art Blakey, I know he was nearly deaf at the end. The will, as you get older, and in this, in this world we live in, in the United States, especially where it's all about youth. Mm-hmm. After a while, it's just there's there's no deepness. And when you listen to these recordings of these players, and that's another reason why also you'll see on my list also classical musicians, mm-hmm. to, which I don't know if classical musicians want to be known that way, but it doesn't matter what age. I just saw the San Francisco Orchestra with the Carnegie Hall, and there was a cellist there. I know he had to be late 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. And he was probably the strongest musician there. <laughs> and it didn't matter about age. But he had, can you imagine all the substance and style through the years he had? I love to hear you say this because people don't don't talk about that. I hesitated a bit because I was thinking if I have ever had anybody that I've talked to on this show who's talked about the pain, the physical pain. And we're both making it sound like we're 100 and we're not. But there's still the physical energy and just the physicality of what we do, especially as a drummer, especially as a stride pianist, same thing. We're putting out a lot, and it is harder. If I haven't practiced for a while, my hands hurt. So it takes a real dedication to not only get yourself inspired to keep improving and keep learning, but to get past that pain. It's a lot. If I haven't practiced for a while, it's really hard to get back into it because it's not easy. It's not fun. I don't sound good, and I have to get past that. Oh, yeah, 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 it is still in there. But it takes a while to get it back. Yeah, for me it takes, I can tell you, to really get to my ability where I want it, where where I feel free, mm-hmm. which is just about your muscles, right. your tendons and everything, it's a good four days oh, before yeah. I would do a gig. And you know that. So that... Because what people know, I mean, every great musician knows that it's, and especially the fun of playing jazz music, mm-hmm. the real fun, as I, we were speaking about that before, is the stream of consciousness. So if you let your muscles or anything else hinder you, you can't have this rapid exchange, and and that's what the fun is. So if you are loose and you're just you're like this marathon runner and you're all you're warmed up and you're ready to go, then it just if somebody goes okay, warp speed tempo, bam. You're ready. Okay, no problem. You're not like, uh, (laughs) no, I have petrified forest arms. They're not moving. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really true. I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think that that's something that people who aren't working musicians know. Other people play and if they get a little tired. I loved it. I read something that Harry Connick said when he was doing Pajama Game. And it was very funny the way he put it. He said, you know, when I do my stage shows, I can get up there if I want to dance a little bit. Cool, I'm done. He said, this, I had to keep dancing even when I was tired. Yes. It was funny because yes. he'd never done a show like that. And I love to hear him say it, that he he was there as a dancer. That's he right. had to get through the whole thing. So yeah. that's tough. Because he had, and which was great for him to say anyway, is his respect for Broadway yeah. performers. What they go through. Yes. Now you've worked... With a bunch of dancers. Talk about that because I've always known 
the history of jazz with drummers and tap dancers, and a lot of the drummers did tap dance, of course, but you've right. worked with a lot of tap dancers. Right. I, You know, f first of all, I started performing a lot with uh, Heather Cornell in Manhattan Tap, and uh, through Heather, I met Buster Brown, Cookie Cook. Buster Brown, I had more relationship because Cookie Cook passed away before I got to know him well. But hanging out with Buster Brown is like hanging out with one of the greatest drummers mm. living. And he was the most beautiful people I know. He And he, I wanted to say something about Buster. Everybody loved Buster because he was always so nice. And sometimes people look at people being nice like, well, you know, he's just, he's simple. He, first of all, Buster Brown was a brilliant man. And he chose to be lovely. No, he, he always knew what was so going nice. on. He knew what was going on, but he chose, I'm going to take the high road. Plus, he just, he could outswing you. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. But he said something really amazing, Judy. I mean, this is, some people might go, yeah, well, I know that already. But he, I said, Buster, what, what made it so amazing? I mean, because he, he lived to be in his 80s. And he was there playing with Duke Ellington. He, he danced with Duke Ellington, Count Basie, you name the groups. And he was there, and he was there in Baltimore. He was raised in Baltimore, and he said when those bands were, and they were really traveling in the 40s, when they would come into town, they would leave something, but then you would give them something so that they would add something from Baltimore, and then they would go to Chicago. So you had that. When those bands were really touring, you had this, well, we have the Internet, of course, but mm -hmm. it's not the same because I feel like when live music, what makes it brilliant, there's something that happens, the connections, and it's passed on. Mm-hmm. And what also happens, too, is when you go play with him, he's passing on that knowledge to me. It's like Fahrenheit 451. Mm -hmm. Remember that novel? At the end, he goes down to railroad tracks and he finds that all these people are teaching young children the classics mm -hmm. because they've right, outlawed mm -hmm. reading. And I feel like that's what happens. The great thing about jazz or any folk music, which I think jazz is, is mm -hmm. one of the greatest folk music. Is, is that, yes, you learn it, you study your instrument, you do that, but it is when you perform with these great musicians and they just give it to you just on stage. I mean, they, they also tell you things in between. But Buster was lovely because he never yelled at me or never said anything, you know, would put me down. We would just perform and it was just his body language. And he, he was always so lovely to the young musicians. And, and so that just takes you to another plane. Mm. But uh, and also Heather Cornell was great because uh, my friend Keith Saunders and it was also Ben Strasberg and Lee Hudson's done it with us and another piano player uh, Ray Gallant. But mainly with Manhattan Tap, it was with Keith Saunders who we developed a great simpatico and mm -hmm. we also had a group in the in the nineties and we went to Japan together and was called the Hardbop Quintet. It started with a quartet and it's also which was Ben Strasberg, Joe Magnarelli. Keith Saunders, and we also had a vocalist at that time, Laura Vaccaro, came with us. And then we later went on, we recorded, and, and we added a saxophone. We first started with Ralph Lama, and then Jerry Weldon. All great, great mm -hmm. musicians. What I loved about Keith Saunders is that we developed a relationship. There is no way, unless I'm a brilliant pianist, to understand harmony like it. But we would kind of compose together. I would say, hey, Keith, how about this kind of idea? Why don't we run this kind of rhythm here? And let's put this rhythm. So we had this beautiful, beautiful relationship. It was like these two minds with one instrument, piano, drums. 
And it really, from there, we had such a great time. And, and he, we did so much arranging and composing together. But he was the true composer mm -hmm. of the group. And Joe also uh, would arrange songs and write songs and BIM. But I think Keith, what was great, that we also brought into the tap dance because we were the trio for, mm -hmm. for Manhattan Tap. And so what would be interesting, it wouldn't be the normal just fours and eights and mm -hmm. trades, but he would do unique songs. And you'll see one of the songs, Cape Fearsome, because he loved Robert De Niro so much. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so he, we were talking about Cape Fearsome. Well, why don't you call it Cape Fearsome, you know? So, you know, so we had, my point of what I'm saying is that with when you have a relationship, especially with a pianist, mm -hmm. Or somebody in the group, you can explore so many different colors and textures instead of just coming from one person. Mm -hmm. So we had a true, true team of people, and um, at least for me, it was a great, great experience at the time. My guest, Ed Ornowski, on drums with the New York Hard Bop Quintet on Cape Fearsome. Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. For discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about my music and what I'm doing, and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. Jazz drummer Ed Ornowski talked about one of his favorite arrangers, Gil Evans. It's the arranging, it's the, the colors of an orchestra. Mm. And Gil Evans and Miles Davis here, you have this... I mean, Miles Davis, I remember in a book, he spoke about hearing something when he'd walk out in the fields of St. Louis and about that mystery of sound. Mm -hmm. And he, and I, you know, how can you not say Miles Davis has this mysterious... Oh, yeah. He just gets you. And so with this genius of Gil Evans and these colors to mix those two and have this palette and just have this, you know, Van Gogh, you know, 
of Miles Davis just throwing his paint on top of this amazing palette that the the creation of of that orchestra and this great lyrical well whether you want to say he's a great lyrical trumpet player but to me he is and 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 such mystery on top of Gil Evans' palette mm. is remarkable and it just you know it's hard to explain but it's well, it's genius of arranging. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had if you had a great music theorist, they would explain. Well, this is why it works, mm-hmm. but it goes beyond that. Yeah, and it also reminds me of a story I was telling you. I brought in all sketches of Spain today because mm-hmm. you're going, okay, how many more, Ed? <laughs> because I was over in Turkey, and I was walking down one of the main streets in Turkey, and you can imagine it's a, basically a cobblestone mm-hmm. street or or stone street, and there's vendors, and there's a. You can also imagine. The, the sounds of the, the, the East, the Middle mm-hmm, East, mm-hmm. and you hear these voices, these Arabic voices coming with their scale patterns. And, mm-hmm. and on top of that filtering, there's a man that's selling CDs and he's playing sketches of Spain. And you have this bouncing off these walls and you have these Arabic voices. And I go right to this bar and order myself a beautiful cognac. And, they, they, and I don't smoke, right? But they give you a chipperello and a chocolate bean. And I stand outside. Oh, it's giving me chills. And it gave me chills. And it was just like the mystery and the history of Turkey and Miles and Gil Evans. It was thousands of years old. Mm. And I got to have that. And that's what, Judy, you and I and all musicians get to have. Mm, That's so wonderful. feeling and all yeah. that emotion and talking about Miles. Talk about Billie Holiday because that's certainly what people hear with her. Well, we spoke about pain and suffering. Of course, mm. the one I pick what is a lady in satin and she was in tears and you see the pictures of that day of that recording because she, her voice to her was it was gone. And of course, you and me and anybody that's listening to Lady in Satin is just, it's devastating. It's mm-hmm. so, it just takes your soul away because first of all, to me, you know, I'd probably be put down for this, but it, she's the perfect jazz singer, mm-hmm. the most natural, 
everything to me she she sings perfectly in time she sings in tune she swings ridiculously and she just sings the song as billy holiday she is herself which is a point i think all musicians try to be if you're trying to reach for that i, I can only speak as being a jazz musician yeah, you want to be Philly Joe. First of all, you can't, and it would be stupid to try. Mm. You have to be Eddie Ornowski. Mm-hmm. You have to be yourself. Yeah, I remember when I was, I think, in my 20s and realized, well, I can't be Beethoven. <laughs> this is a drag. <laughs> I realized I can't, I can't do. And that sometimes is the hardest thing to realize, but you got to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and Billy, was, I'm sure he wasn't worried about it, but, you know, obviously you listen to Bessie and Louis Armstrong and all those influences, but... She, now in my life, I mean, that's why I keep bringing in recordings, because mm-hmm. if you caught me 10 years ago, it'd be different people, mm-hmm. and 10 years from now, it'd be different. But it's the same as listening to that Duke and Frank Sinatra album. Mm-hmm. When I listen to this, it's just that it's adults. Look at yourself. If you had a sense of humor, you would laugh to beat the band. Look at yourself Do you still believe the rumor That romance is simply grand Since you took it On the chin You have lost That toothpaste grin My mental state is all a jumble I sit around and sadly mumble Fools rushing So here am I Very glad to be unhappy I can win But here am I More than glad To be unhappy Unrequited love's a bore And I've got it pretty bad But for someone you adore It's a pleasure to be sad Like a string Baby lamb With no mammy and no pappy I'm so unhappy But oh So A 1955 recording of Billie Holiday on the Rogers and Hart composition, Glad to be Unhappy. My guest, drummer Ed Arnowski, talked about his favorite operas. I love the pureness of Puccini. Mm-hmm. Talk about slamming your heart. You know, he just, <laughs> he drills you. And um, the selection, Nessun Dorma, 
of course. I mean, you've heard it. I think they just did in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But I knew it before then, and um, also being a friend of Renee Fleming's, mm -hmm. I remember getting into opera. And opera has, if you're not into opera, you have to give yourself time. I think also, you know, you might get it when you're a child. But to me, again, living life, the passion of opera, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it just gets you. And that particular selection is the same thing. I just... I hardly played because when my father died after he played, we were in the in the hospital room with him. I played that, and it just and because of what he's saying, he's saying I will win, I will win. Mm. So that particular selection will always mean something, and the, the melodic content is brilliant. Mm. So that's why opera or classical music just it it soars, it truly soars. say this about the emotion of music and what it brings up in you because as you're saying it I'm thinking we always need that but we need that more now 
today the way life is now than anything. Because as you're describing this and I'm looking at you and mm. seeing the emotion that you feel, even if you don't go to a whole opera, listen to one tune and let yourself stop. That's what I'm hearing from you. And you're inspiring me to think, to do that. Just sit, Judy. Don't do anything else. Hear that tune. Let it do that to you. You must tell your students that because you teach as well, and that's so important to you. Do you talk to them about allowing themselves the time to really listen and to feel? Yes. Well, as you know, you know about me. Um, I teach at a school, St. Joseph School, on 1946 Bathgate Avenue in the Bronx, tough neighborhood, because um, I work for a man named Paul F. in School Music Service. And about 10 years ago, he put me into this school. He said, because I, I didn't want to teach full-time. I just wanted to teach part-time because, to me, I don't, I don't think I can multitask to be a, a very good drummer and a, a very good teacher if I did it full-time. Mm -hmm. So I do it a couple days a week, and sometimes I go there extra because I love these children. The band is 205 pieces, so... <laughs> That should give you just a little idea. You know, 23 trombones, 22 trumpets. Need we say more? Oh, my God. And, and they're from fifth grade through the eighth grade, so they're, they're young. So they're, an easy age, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> Not much happening between fifth and eighth grade. Lord help us. Uh, but the soul of these children oh. is so brilliant. There's one story I want to say this I remember Theodore James was a drummer, and he was just this hot, hot talent, but also, you know, troublemaker and wouldn't show up for a lesson. Or he'd take my, I have an alcohol spray to, you know, wash the instruments, make sure they're clean. And I didn't know he took it into class and he would, he lit it on fire, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, oh, no. so that's, that's Theodore James, but an amazing talent. I have amazing, amazingly talented children, uh, mostly of Latino or African American. Mm -hmm. A descent and we had to do a concert and i have of course you know my drum section i just you know i'm an ogre i demand a lot out of them and i don't know if you know the story araby it's a it's a part of the dubliners by james joyce and basically the story is, is this child wants to go to bazaar because of adults he can't get there on time and he finally gets to bazaar in ireland and it's closing down and of course his young child can't get anything and he's just so frustrated and of course james joyce it's just the music of his writing is incredible so just think of that in mind and theodore doesn't show up so there's was this another drummer there i i'm trying to remember her name patrice i believe and all my children know you have to know the different instruments we'd have congas timbales snare drum bass drum and so i said to this girl i said you know you're going to have to cover this. It was a very, very, very important part to play the congas. She said, no, no problem. They call me Mr. O. All right. So I said, all right, you got to cover it. So we're watching. So you can imagine this auditorium. There's, you know, there's, there's 500 people. There's a 205-piece band. It's 400 degrees <laughs> in the middle of June. I'm, I'm in my, you know, my Italian suit because I, I dressed in the nines for the respect Mm -hmm. to show the children that's how much i believe in them because every time i play i said as far as i'm concerned we're at carnegie hall mm -hmm. and wherever you play is carnegie hall so we're watching and janine hughes is this incredible principal who actually when her car broke one time she no well it, it got in an accident they took the money and she gave it to the school she's an incredible lady and ah. uh, so only janine and i are watching i'm conducting and patrice is playing 
And all of a sudden, I see at the corner of my eye, this boy running up in tears, flowing down his face. And I realize it's Theodore, who had, what had happened, his mother wouldn't let him go to the concert. He finally told his mom, I have to go, and finally was able to get going. So he went through buses and subways, and you see him come running up, running up just like an Araby, and he comes up, and this girl sees him out of the corner eyes, turns around, takes the mallets from the congas, because I would always have my children play with mallets so they don't hurt their hands, presents it to him like this is this beautiful official mm. uh, ceremony. He picks him up and continues to play and performs a concert with tears flowing down his face. Oh, my God. And these, this is one of many, many stories that, you know, all you hear, this is in the Bronx, you only hear the negative and things mm. that happen, and there is magic happening at this school. And that's... That I also I that's why I teach there because it gives me a lot of soul and gives me different influences that I would never have in my life mm. to be around these Latino children, these African American children in this tough neighborhood. And these children come every day and they smile for me. Mm. It's so wonderful to be able to share that experience and to teach them how to access this enjoyment. That's what I think of because lots of people are going to music schools as we know. We talk about right. that a lot then they're churning them out and everybody can play like mad. And I keep saying, I wish that they talked to people about enjoying music oh, and what yes. it's about. Audience development. But as you're talking about these kids, I'm not thinking that you've got 200 plus kids that are going to become professional musicians. Right. I'm getting something much different from this. That this is about this experience of being together loving the music, experiencing, playing it for what that experience is. Get off the cell phone, get off the streets, whatever it is. It's really a beautiful thing. Perfectly, perfectly put. It, to me, it's our football team. Mm -hmm. We are together. We will sink or we will swim. Mm. You know, we will do it together. We always do it together. In fact, this last concert, again, was a billion degrees and if the firemen came in, they would have closed us down. Mm -hmm. But but uh, it was amazing. There was a lot of noise. And I don't think professional musicians would have been able to deal with the situation. These children and the drum section, and all the sections are, are phenomenal. But this this uh, bass drummer, Stephanie Abreu, she's this tough, tough, tough girl who's a brilliant drummer. And we the first song is a blues. And... You can imagine being a bass drum player and basically you're a second conductor back there and you're pushing this this train of 205 <laughs> and I couldn't keep the tempo if I was trying to do that. And we just looked eye to eye and, you know, this is less like basically a football field and I said, I just looked at it and she knew, let's nail this. <laughs> and you hear that when you hear the recording, my hair, when I, when I was conducting, my hair just stood up. Mm. It was so electric it was so brilliant. And these children, you know, you see these young children from 9 to 11 years old. Just the emotion and mm -hmm. the passion to just do this is so uplifting. And that, that is the magic. Yes, you know, we're out of tune. You know, we, we, we're a little over there. We're a little over there. But as a team, don't go against us. Exactly. Yeah. They've experienced that together. And that's something you can't get without 
doing it. You can't talk about it. You have to do it. And we know that. The very thing that we were talking about earlier about traveling together, it's the traveling and going through those things and still making music together that we get to experience. And these kids get to have a feeling of that, which is really a beautiful thing that they can extrapolate into all areas of their life. It's really a wonderful thing. Yeah, I think, and I think it also touches on again, this is an amazing radio show, people, but also remember, go out and hear music. Absolutely. Go out. Like I just said, I just saw the San Francisco Orchestra, and I've been listening to Petrushka my whole life, and I heard things I never, ever, ever heard because I went to hear, and I said, and it reminds me when I used to go when I was young and I heard Philly Joe play and Art mm-hmm. Blakey, and sometimes, you know, we have all the records, and I get old, and as a New Yorker, sometimes you just don't want to go out. You just right. You lock yourself in. You put on Miles Davis, but you got to go out and hear this music. I one, two. I one, two, three. And actions speak much louder and stronger. I've heard, heard, so won't you please show me how and I'll come through. There's nothing now I would not do. I want to prove I love you. If it takes a million years, I'm going to make it clear. You are the one I hold most dear, with whom I share each joy, tear. I swear by stars above you, you're the only one that ever made me feel this way. Right by your side is where I'll stay with you forever. I want to prove I love you So won't you please show me how and I come through That nothing now I would not do I want to prove I love you Talk about Bob Duro. You've worked with him and recorded. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah, he's a, well, you know, he's an amazing composer. Some people might know him for Schoolhouse Rock, you know, his most popular, but of course he wrote Devil May Care, The Miles Recorded, and a host of other songs. And uh, performing with him, is, it's, it's amazing because it's, he takes you on a roller coaster ride because he's the way he sings, everything is shaded, and and it, you don't just play straight time behind him. You got to just bend, and you have to go this way, <laughs> which is which is a test. But he's such a well, he's a brilliant man, and he's lived through playing with amazing people. And he, you know, he's such a bebopper at heart. I mm-hmm. mean, he's a real bebopper. But if you listen carefully, he's really got that stride thing happening too. <laughs> he really does. That's he why does. I want. That's why I wanted to get that recording for you, Judy, because I said, uh... you know. 
because he's got that 4-4 thing and then it's like you can hear it's like he's got that you know Arkansas thing happening you know <laughs> So what are you working on now? Well, right now, well, we've been for a couple of years uh, performing with uh, John Coliani, a mm-hmm. brilliant pianist, and the great Earl May, who I could go on forever about <laughs> Earl May. That's the next show. Yes. So <laughs> before we go on, but uh, we're trying, what I love about Johnny and Earl is we're trying to bring all different styles and all different music. We we love not just Gershwin, we, not, we don't just love Duke Ellington, mm-hmm. but we also love Stephen Sondheim. Uh, we love a lot of Broadway shows, you know, kind of before present day writing one, <laughs> four, five chords, you know, Leonard Bernstein and, and these, and, and Lerner Lowe, mm-hmm. because it's, the, the music is brilliant. So we like to bring that all into it. And, and also a more stream of consciousness. We want to bring horn players into it, but we want them to be a true stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. How wonderful, though. That is our ideal. That's what we all hope to do, is to make it happen like that. Oh, that's very exciting. When do you hope to have? This is something you're in the process of doing. Before I die. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confident it's going to happen soon. A long time before that, Ed. (laughs) Well, thanks, Jude. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I've got you sitting down in one place between all of your things. This was great. I loved it. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Judy, so much. You've been listening to drummer Ed Ornowski. 
I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. The opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with my Cashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about what I'm doing in my music, visit judycarmichael.com. Special thanks to Tom Rickenback, Stephen Linda Plotnicki, and our webmaster, Megan Lewis. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons, Newman's Own, and the American Hotel Sag Harbor, New York. Visit online at theamericanhotel.com. Thanks, too, to Sag Harbor Florists. You can visit them at sagharborfloristandgifts.com. Thank you.